When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera. And we continue the summer of news, the summer of transactions, and some deals that uh, none of us are excited to talk about as Ravens fans, but we will have to get into it in the NFL section this week. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts. Starting off on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, how's it going, man? Doing, uh, doing well, Antonio. As you mentioned, uh, the NFL, it's been said, uh, never really stops, but it seems particularly true, I feel like, this summer. You know, I feel like every week we've had, uh, every time we've convened here on Pod Like a Raven, there's been a big, you know earth-shattering NFL trade, and this week we obviously have Julio Jones trade to talk about, which we will get into, but uh, I don't love it. I don't love that, and we'll talk about that, but yeah, otherwise doing uh, doing well, doing dandy, can't complain. It's summertime, it's June, what a delight, uh, watching some, some NBA, some NHL every night, it's good times. And joining us from D.C. is Tim Horsey. Tim, I know you work in soccer we're we're at peak soccer right now with the Euros going on. Are you awake, number one, uh, and how are you doing overall with soccer interfering or or should I say dominating your time as, as we try to peel into some Raven stuff? Right. I was going to say, first of all, Jace's comment about, oh, it's summer, let's be happy, and he lives in freaking Los Angeles where it's <laughs> always beautiful weather. Uh, okay. I'm glad you're enjoying the sun, Jace, which should, you know, be the, be the case 12 months out of the entire year. 
Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I, again, as I said two weeks ago, I'm incredibly fatigued. You talk about the NFL never sleeping. Soccer legitimately never sleeps because they just legit don't have an off season. They just keep playing. And, um, you know, I can't really say that I'm the tired one when it's the players who have to go do all those things. But, yeah, at the, as somebody who covers it, I'm exhausted. So, for me, this is a nice respite. I've been able to follow the NFL stuff, too, on the side. And I love getting to talk Ravens with you guys. So, I'm doing well being here on a Monday evening. Tim, we know you're a Liverpool guy, but in terms of uh, international competitions, when it's European countries, do you have a uh, a rooting a rooting favorite? So, I do. Um, I have two. One more. So when I first got into soccer, this is a little bit of a walk, and and I promise I'll keep it a little bit short. When I first got into soccer, I played it my entire life as a kid. And then I was like, I want to get more into the professional side, so I want to follow a team. Like, the best way to follow any sport is to get behind a team. And what is a teenage high school kid's route into professional European soccer when it really wasn't on television that much back in those days? It's FIFA. So FIFA 09. I started playing, and all my friends, we would all play. We'd play, make, make big fake tournaments. We'd all pick a country. And I loved me some Fernando Torres. And that is the reason I'm a Liverpool fan, one, and is the reason I like Spain. Now, that being said, I've kind of fallen off the Spain train a little bit, obviously with Torres no longer being there for a while. For me, and again, this doesn't really help in the Euros because they never qualify and they're a terrible team, but i got to support the family roots. Come on, you boys in green. Uh, the Republic of Ireland, but, you know, they suck. So I, I mainly follow them in rugby rather than soccer. But, uh, yeah. So for this, again, I'm literally covering it as a neutral. I don't really mind either way. I'm just excited to see these massive nations clash uh, in, in a beautiful, beautiful tournament. Jace, I don't know how much Euro uh, viewing you've been doing, but I, wanna, I don't want to exclude you here. What's the country that you're rooting for outside of uh, the United so States? So many people are turning this off, by the way. So <laughs> many people have already turned this off. Yeah, I can't say I've been too locked in uh, to this one. As you guys know, I'm an afternoon guy, uh, and soccer is on earlier on the West Coast here. But, um, you know, I've always liked I got deep into the 2014 World Cup. We had just graduated college. I did not have a job at the time. So I always enjoyed following Germany uh, and uh, the way they play and stuff. Um, As I understand it, they weren't... uh, exactly great the last world cup um so i I don't think they probably have too uh too many uh, good chances this one but i think i'd probably pull germany and then you know it was my family all from england basically yeah but who wants to root for england come on i mean nobody no offense to any of our possibly english (laughs) listeners but (laughs) i can't do it well i'm sorry for the listener but the answer was italy and nobody on the on the show said (laughs) italy but that's fine forza italia uh, and, and that's it. And that's all we're going to do for the Euros. That's the end of, of, uh, of, of football coverage. And now let's get Can into... Can we do Euros update for the next couple of shows? Because it's only on for a month. So it's only, what, the next two shows probably? I don't have the calendar in front of me. We're just going to do Antonio's Italian update. If Italy, yeah, this. if they're in it in two weeks, oh, oh, there'll be an update. It'll be, or if they're not, it'll be what's bothering Antonio is that Italy is no longer <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, all right, let's talk about American football now. And we are going to get into... Raven news and notes. And we're going to do it the best news first, because that's how you kick off a show. And it's the news of Gus the Bus getting extended two years. $10 million signed now through the 2023 season. So he's got three years at least uh, in purple and black. A couple of stats here. 
and then I'm going to turn to my co-hosts on their take on this, I would assume, very positive uh, opinions of this move. But a couple of stats that, I mean, we follow the Ravens, I followed the players, and both of these were not shocking to me, but surprising in a very positive way. This is from Jameson Hensley over at ESPN. Gus the Bus, one of two players in NFL history to produce at least 700 yards rushing and average five yards per carry in the first three seasons of his career. The only other dude is Nick Chubb for the Browns. He's good. And then this other stat. In his three seasons, Gus Edwards has gained positive yards on 89% of his 414 (laughs) carries, the most of any player in the NFL over that time. He moves the chains, he gets yardage, he's a one-cut-and-up bulldozer, and he signed for the Ravens on a good deal for a few years. Tim, you're a big Gus the Bus fan. What do you think of this deal? I mean, this... I think the biggest thing for me with this is I love that they have identified him as an important player for the future. Um, where and, and maybe not future, because it's not a massive, massive deal or anything, but he is a key part of this Ravens team for the next couple of seasons, and the team values that. They're not like most sides where... Oh, jeez, there's, there's the Euros going again, talking sides rather than teams. Where they basically think running back is expendable, and it's, you know, we can find that next guy. And while that may be true, and running backs do come at more of a dime a dozen, I think Gus Edwards is incredibly special. Um, part of the reason... That's that, that final stat that you just said, that he has gained positive yards on 89% of his carries, that does not surprise me at all. Because the dude moves forward, falls forward, beats other players into the ground to get forward and get positive yards. He is exactly what you want out of a Ravens running back in a power scheme. And he is a perfect, perfect victory cigar. And I'm not even talking when it's a big win, you're up you know, 25 late in the game or whatever. But in a way of J.K.'s got some runs, you know, Lamar's running this way. The defense is exhausted. They're, they've been on the field for eight, nine, ten minutes now. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to bring in a freaking battering ram, put him behind a 300-pound running back that moves like a wide receiver, and you're going to have to deal with that now. It is a perfect compliment piece, and for me, what they got him at, too, I mean, this is, comes from Zarebek and The Athletic, as we mentioned all the time. He had been in line to play uh, in the upcoming season under the second-round restricted free agent tender, which carried a $3.4 million price tag. The new deal is now uh, includes a $3.75 million signing bonus. He'll make a base salary of $1 million this year, 3.25 next year, 4.384 in 2023. And with this move, the Ravens created cap space. They created $1.1 million in cap space by keeping one of their most important offensive players, a guy who it's just, it's so perfect. And I hate, I almost hate the fact that he's going to be a random Raven because the NFL audience won't appreciate him in, in a couple years time. But Ravens fans who watch this team, you know, year in and year out and who have followed this team through this Lamar Jackson era, know how important the Gus bus is. And it's not just because his nickname's awesome. It's because <laughs> third and four, you don't necessarily have to throw the ball because you can give it to that guy and he's going to get four and a half. Like, it's just one of my favorite types, you know, you know me, offensive line, defensive line, fullbacks. But outside of that, one of my favorite type of skill position guys is a guy who just moves forward. 
batters guys down, gets positive yards every single time, and that's Gus Edwards. So, yeah, I am absolutely ecstatic. I mean, Tim, Tim nailed it, uh, you know, uh, so well. I To your point, Tim, on why I love this move, and, and for me, this was amongst the most delightful Ravens news I think we could have possibly seen uh, this summer, honestly. Um but you mentioned just his role as a complementary piece, and I think it's so important too. Like we saw last season when they they kind of moved away from Mark Ingram, the two headed running back monster, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. No team runs the ball more than the Ravens, <laughs> and so to have this guy who you guys have nailed it, just the underrated consistency. I mean, year by year rushing. 718 yards, 711 yards, 723 yards. He is a lock for 700 yards every year in, you know, he hasn't exceeded 150 carries yet in his career. He's just so consistent and such a key piece of what they do. And, um, you know, Dobbins coming off his rookie year, he should have two or three more years left on his his rookie contract. And so basically these contracts now line up. You have your backfield locked in for the next several years. Um, uh, and it seems to be a, a pretty good one. So I'm very excited about that. And yeah, I, just all the intangible things you, you mentioned with Gus, he almost never fumbles, um, which is, as Tim said, the human victory cigar is a very crucial piece of that uh not putting the ball on the ground, so I, I was just thrilled to to get to get your backfield locked in. A player I think we've all liked, um, and not one of the more underrated backs certainly in the NFL. And uh, yeah, I know people devalue, as Tim mentioned, devalue running backs, but I think at that price, it's not a big it's not a big price. And to just lock your guys in, I it, it, and they've been so productive to this point. I love it. So just quickly on that, too, Anthony, before you make your point, Gus Edwards to me, and we've probably said it on this podcast before, too, struck me as a guy who performed really well for the Ravens and then got overvalued and signed somewhere else. And it was one of those, as a fan, you kind of hated to see it, but you understood, like you knew where they were coming from. It's, it's right player, right price, yada, 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 all the stuff that we regurgitate all the time um, with this Baltimore team. But they value him higher than that. And obviously part of it is the price tag. He's a running back, so they are completely devalued in this market. So they were able to pounce on that because they have zigged in terms of their playbook when everybody else has zagged. But that was the part that was so satisfying for me. I looked at him as, I honestly thought this was probably his last year and Pat Ricard's last year. And then they were going to move on from them and bring some more power guys in. You got Ben Mason, obviously the rookie and then maybe find another power back like you did with Gus Edwards. And I just think he's better than that. I think he is better than replaceable. So I'm really, really happy that it wasn't a typical, which has been successful. Don't get me wrong. A typical Ravens move of, all right, we're moving on from him because he's going to sign this mega deal elsewhere. Uh, and they kept him in house for a incredibly valuable or reasonable price. Excuse me. So I'm just, I'm again, ecstatic. The only, yeah. Cause the Ravens, do things sort of backwards offensively compared to the rest of the league. So for them, the running back position is more important than it is for a lot of other teams. So I think that's part of the reason that they, they looked at Tim keeping this type of player as opposed to letting him walk uh, because they realized the need of having multiple talented guys in the backfield based on the number of carries that those guys are going to get. 
I love, Jace, you mentioned Gus Edwards' carries, the number of carries that he has. That's going to keep him fresh for, for years. He's not a guy who's gotten 300 carries the last two seasons. Um, and that should continue over the next two or three years for both him and Dobbins, just spelling each other at the perfect time. And from Edwards' perspective, this the same threat of the Ravens being the opposite team in, in terms of the NFL offensive landscape. He must have looked around, too. He realizes this may be the best place for me to succeed uh, because of the opportunity that's here and because there's two slots. I don't think a lot of teams would have valued him as, ooh, we need that guy as the number one back on on our team. They have other solutions. A lot of teams already do. Uh, So it just seems like a really snug fit for him. It's a couple of years. It's good money without being crazy. Uh, And then he can try again kind of thing, you know, take another crack at, at, at free agency a few years from now. So just seemed like a good fit and we love we love those deals that give the Ravens options and flexibility in the future in terms of options and flexibility and and dare I say depth uh this is the most confusing note to me uh Todd Gurley another running back visited Baltimore last week I don't have a ton to say on this um why guys what is this fit of this type of player for for the Ravens at this point Bring the Baltimore kid home. That's honestly, like, legit for me. If you bring him on minimum salary and he can just be a guy that just in case Gus Edwards gets an injury or something, and the guy's from Baltimore and he's a massive Baltimore fan, and I think he's a huge animal lover too. Like, again, these are all off-the-field things. Trust me. Uh, and Makes and a Todd great Gurley, frozen margarita. Oh, it's just oh, no salt on the rim either. It's impeccable. Um. This one for me, it's odd, and I saw it, and I was like, okay. But he's also visited places like the Lions, who already had two established running backs as well. So Gurley's clearly ready to take a backup role just to stay in the league. He's clearly regressed a little bit because of injuries and stuff, as happens especially with running backs. So for me, I love it as a third option if you can get the right price. I really do. And maybe it's just I'm I'm addicted to the the star name from a couple years past, a guy who was – you know, top two in fantasy football drafts, like just what, like three seasons ago at this point. So I love that. Um, I would say negatively it, even though he does play a little bit of a different role, it does not spell well for justice Hill, who I think we all kind of had some aspirations for, and then really just hasn't turned out to be that guy. Um, And maybe we thought he was going to be the third down receiving back out of the backfield. And then we see J.K. Dobbins mossing linebackers at minicamp, and it's like, you know what? I don't know if that guy has a role on the team anymore, especially if you're bringing in, you know, a wily veteran in in Todd Gurley to try and bring him in and sign him. Yeah, this definitely confused me when I first saw it, um, because and I think that my the the, the source of my concern was, you know, we we had. Mark Ingram, who was amazing in 2019. We love Mark Ingram. I own a big trust t-shirt. But I think we saw the Ravens run game improve when they went to just the two-headed monster, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. And I worry that getting a guy like Todd Gurley, you know, as Tim said, was a legitimate star in this league. It was the offensive player of the year, former rookie of the year as well. Um, You know, I, I worry, I guess, about adding a guy like that to disrupting that chemistry. But 
to Tim's other point, um, you need running back depth. You know, that's a position, especially the Ravens. They carried, what, something like four running backs at times last year. They, as, as we just talked about with Gus Edwards, the, the Ravens value running backs more than most. And, you know, Gurley is clearly a diminished player from what he was. Um, I think the last two seasons show that. But... Um, he, uh, he, he just turns 27 next month. He's still a young guy. He's been in the league so long already and had such a, uh, you know, a great career. He's two-time All-Pro already, but, um, you know, it just, his rise and fall was just so sudden. So he's a young guy. And I think, you know, as long as I think you still focus, put the focus on your Dobbins, Gus Edwards combo which I would think is the goal, you know, just giving Gus Edwards this extension is to keep him prominently involved. I think if it doesn't rock the boat too much, I you really can't have too much depth. And a guy like Gurley is still, you know, he still has some talent despite the injuries and whatever leg issues he's had kind of uh, sapped what, how special he used to be. But to Tim's point, it's always fun to, to bring guys who are either fans of the team or grew up in the area, born in the area, um, Back to the Ravens. So if he wants to, you know, play on a vet minimum, I think it probably can't hurt too much. The only, I mean, they, first of all, they let him uh, walk out of the building, which is always the bad Ravens sign that they're not interested in a player. But uh, aside from that, aside from the red flags of his injuries, he's not a guy who's going to play special teams. I have no expectation of him playing any special teams. And if he's going to be your fourth running back maybe third running back that i just view that as a position where they're going to go for a super minimum guy who is willing to do the dirty work on special teams justice hill has done special teams a little bit even while being the the third guy in this team so i don't see it but certainly an interesting uh just ravens playing playing chess while uh while the rest <laughs> of us play play checkers but another note out of the ravens building this week uh a fun one in terms of hot hot takes uh, on Podlicker Raven, but Lamar Jackson apparently trying to work in more play under center, something that he did not do last season where just about everything was out of the pistol. And I turned to my co-host with, it's, it's mostly a joke, but also kind of not a joke. Um, is this a thing they're doing because of what we saw last year with getting the ball from the center to the quarterback? Is this an option that they want to have in the bag for that windy, rainy day? Or is this actually something that they want to bring into their offense in sort of a larger format? Yeah, I think it's the latter, though. To your point, we said many times last year, why don't they go under center when they couldn't snap the ball in a shotgun or pistol formation? Um so it could honestly, it's probably at least partially to mitigate that when they're like, "Hey, when it's a super monsoon in New England in October, uh, and we can't snap the ball, <laughs> let's let's find a way." And you know, Lamar has experience under center. That was one of the giant. I feel like either just outright draft lies or uh, falsehoods of his coming into. Uh, or said about him, rather, coming into the NFL, he, he he operated a pro system. He was played for Bobby Petrino. He operated almost exclusively under center uh, in college a lot. Um, so he can obviously do it. And, um, I, you know, I think it's good. I think it's just good to have... Obviously, football's moved into a lot. Almost every team seems like they primarily use shotgun these days. But I don't think it hurts to have the under center option in your... Uh, in your arsenal, I think it opens, obviously, stuff up with the run game. Um, 
in play action especially, um, which all the numbers suggest Lamar's great at. So it could be a way to try to get more kind of play action into what the Ravens do. I'm for it. I, you know, I think as much we, <laughs> the Lamar conversation is always funny because you have to like remind yourself that he's 24 years old. And I feel like, you know, quarterbacks continue to evolve. You know, Peyton Manning didn't win what a playoff game until he was like 26 or something. It was like his fifth or sixth season. And Lamar's still really young. He, uh, you know, was three straight years of the playoffs. This is only his fourth season. Anything he can continue to add to his arsenal to improve. He's already put up basically the two best quarterback seasons in Ravens history the last two years, um, statistically. So, anything he could do to add to his game, I am very pro for. I don't have uh, any qualms with them. Uh, and as you said, if they don't snap it eight yards uh, behind him on a, a bowling roll backwards or whatever, uh, that's also a plus. Yeah, I mean, it's about expanding the playbook, right? He's in year four now. Um, you know, it's been accused of Greg Roman that his passing concepts look like a sixth graders and the running schemes are great, but that's all they really have. And this to me is a sign of, you know, if plan a isn't working, we're working on B, C, D, E through Z, uh, which is what should be happening in an NFL offense. So yeah, I mean, Jace, Jace brings up the point. We always talk about it. He's the one who focuses on college a lot more than Antonio or, or myself do. Um, that, Lamar's played this. This is not like he was a he played a wild college system in college and now they're just adapting it to his game in the NFL. No, they adapted they adapted the offense to Lamar, but that doesn't mean he can't play under center. And yeah, I, there's there's no bad effects for this move, especially like Antonio, you mentioned at the top when you brought this story up. We saw that Buffalo game. It was Buffalo. The weather was bad. You know the other team that's really good? Kansas City. You know what the weather is like in Kansas City in, <laughs> during playoff time? Really bad. So anytime that you can get him closer to that center's butt, I mean, let's just say it, and and be able to snap the ball that way, I think it's a positive. And, you know, again, the more layers to this offense, without them losing their identity, the more layers you can add to this offense to complicate it for defenses, the better. Because guess what? If you're complicating this offense for these defenses and these defensive coordinators and these guys on the other side of the ball, they have to think about that and deal with Lamar Jackson. And that's not easy. That is incredibly hard. We've seen it. The offense is, I'm not going to sit here and say simple. I don't know enough about offensive playbooks. I'm sitting here on my couch talking into a microphone to like 38 of you about, about the Ravens. But but the, the notion around the league is it's a very simple offense and it's really difficult to deal with because there's so many threats, especially in the running game, and Lamar is, is, is a unicorn. He's, he's just that special. Now you make the offensive complicated and having to deal with Lamar, one plus one equals two here, people. It's, it's going to help the Ravens' offense uh, in any way, shape, or form. And look, maybe I'm reading too much into it, and I definitely could be doing that, but I see it as a sign of they are trying to grow and expand in year four under Lamar. And and again, like, like Jay said, nothing but positives. I just imagine a game where they do the first two drives and it's RPO, 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 and then do the first play RPO of a drive and then go hurry up and all of a sudden he's under center and they're running play action and rollouts and stuff like that. I just, 
they've talked in all these, I said the last few seasons of dealing with this Ravens offense, that the time you have to get the timing right, you have to read all your cues, you have to then be prepared somehow for Lamar Jackson's speed, and just throwing a wrench of basically a different set, a different timing system for how the offense operates is just going to be such a nice distraction that defenses will have to deal with next season. And the last note out of Ravens camp this week, another sort of strange one. We're in June and we're starting to get these interesting stories. The Ravens sign right tackle Jawan James, who was on the Denver Broncos for the last few seasons, um, has not played since 2019. He played in three games in 2019 due to various knee injuries. He skipped 2020 uh, as a COVID-19 uh, decision to, to, to um, opt out of that season, and then tore his Achilles this past April working out away from the Broncos facility. He was later cut by Denver, because, in theory, because of this injury. He has now since filed a $15 million grievance against Denver because they, sort of this gray area of, yes, he's working out outside of the facility, but it's COVID season, so he doesn't want to be going into the facility, and there'll be this whole debate, probably for years to come, about how that gets paid out, whether or not Denver okayed him to work out outside of the facility, and yada, yada, yada. In the meantime, he is now rehabbing from this torn Achilles, and is now signed on the Baltimore Ravens for two years with a minimum, essentially a guaranteed $500,000 that can escalate all the way up to $9 million, which is quite a, quite a jump in terms of low bar of a, of a salary and high bar. Two years for this team, it's unclear, it's unlikely that he will start or be active to start the season. Harbaugh has had some back and forth on whether or not that is possible or not. I turn to you guys now on Juwan James, who I had knew very little about him uh, until this story came out, but was apparently a above average right tackle when he was healthy. Can he be healthy again will be a giant question mark. But I turn to you guys... What happened here? What the Raven again? Just playing? Are they playing chess here? Is this an investment? Is this? Are they trying to buy Google stock in 1998? Uh, I think that's I think that's again, accurate timing for for a stock to, for for Google to increase. But anyway, so Jace, start with you. What what is this here? And and will he ever play for the Ravens? Will he actually actually ever be on the field? Will he ever play for the Ravens? That is a great question. But it is, to your first point, definitely a chess move. Uh, very, I was very confused when I saw this. I was like, Jawan James, didn't he tear his Achilles? But you look at the deal, it's basically a deal with 2022 in mind. They're they're more or less throwing in the towel on this season. His cap hit, in fact, for this year is only $250,000, which I didn't even know you could get that low. Um but the, the the way, yeah, they structure his deal, it's basically insurance for him to get 500000 guaranteed while and be on a team and have access uh, to the team resources to help his rehab from this injury. Uh, and for the Ravens, it's a risk where, you know, they trade Orlando Brown Jr., your multi-time Pro Bowl right tackle. You bring in Alejandro Villanueva on a two-year deal. Um which, you know, those two-year deals for veterans can often easily become one-year deals uh, if, you know, his play goes south or 
he, you know, either side wants out. So it's kind of just a flyer for a tackle, possibly a right tackle starter. Jawan James, pretty solid, as you mentioned, several years with the Dolphins. He was a, f- a former first-round pick of theirs and had kind of settled into the right side and just has kind of his career has been derailed by injuries since he got to Denver. But, yeah, it's it's kind of just they take a flyer. This year's basically a write-off, and if he's able to get healthy, they have – a potential starting right tackle in 2022 or a swing tackle, which we've mentioned on the show, uh, even for this season is a very big question mark. If it's, you know, it's Tyree Phillips. Is he their swing tackle this year? It's, it's a giant question mark. Um, so I love it. I think it's such a low risk move. It's a very Ravens move. Just you're buying literally a guy at his absolute low, is a, a torn Achilles tendon for, a big guy, big, big, big right tackle. Yeah, I imagine that takes, you know, that's a horrible injury for anyone to suffer, but I imagine when you're that big, it probably is an especially long time. So yeah, it's a long-term play. I'd be absolutely stunned if we see a second of Juwan James in 2021. But, uh, you know, I think to just take a flyer on a guy who's a starting level player for almost no risk, you know, he never plays a game. You're out $500,000 as a team. That's not really... Uh, uh, you know, because as you mentioned, with all the incentives, he can get up to nine million. But if he doesn't play, they they pay him five hundred thousand over two years, and they part ways. And you know, for a risk that low, I I think it's a great move. Yeah, I yeah, I'm. I know it's not always entertaining when we agree completely, but we agree completely on this. It's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar cap hit this year. Uh, it's a three million dollar cap hit next year if he plays for a guy who. Let's say he plays next year. So if he plays next year, we're assuming that he's injury-free or that he's healthy enough to play, right? For this guy, Juwan James, his floor, and again, taking injuries out here because you're assuming he's healthy in 2022, is a, is a really, really good swing tackle. His ceiling is a really good right tackle. For $250,000 of a cap hit this year, yeah, I'll take the deal. Howie Mandel, thanks so much. I'm walking out with the briefcase. That, for me, I just think, I it was weird. I was ecstatic when I saw this one, too. Because it was, and it came the same, it came the same day he filed the grievance, which was a little odd. And, you know, as I know at least uh, Jason and I, Antonio, probably less so, and that's good for his, you know, mental, physical health, is uh, we are addicted to Twitter. I am addicted to TweetDeck. I have about, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about 13 columns in my TweetDeck right now. <laughs> and they all just populate, populate throughout the day. And it's the reason I'm wearing these, um, these what are these, blue light glasses to help me, you know, not go blind by the time I'm 40. Uh, because all I do is just scroll Twitter and read Twitter. And it was weird to see that where the grievance is filed. And like, I don't know. This this was last week now. Of course, all the big news happened on the off Monday that we record. It was like two hours later. Oh, yeah, the Ravens just picked him up. I think this is a it's a chess. It's a chess move from DaCosta because he knows there is nothing to lose here. There is literally nothing to lose. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars is nothing when it comes to a cap hit. And even really three million for a tackle is nothing either. So. It's all positives. Obviously, you hope he can stay healthy. Jace makes a great point. We saw, I mean, a smaller guy, but still a big guy on the field, Terrell Suggs, suffered with Achilles injuries. And it it clearly affected him. Clearly. So, 
for an offensive tackle who is a much bigger man, it probably is going to have some sort of lingering effect. And, you know, he's missed a lot of time with other injuries as well. He's, it's one of those unfortunate ones where it seems like those have started to kind of plague his career a bit. But if he can recover from those, at the very least, if he plays next year for the Ravens, which I think he does. I'm optimistic. I think he will play in 2022. At the very least, you have a very good swing tackle on your hands. So another great move for the Ravens. It's just, you know, for you Madden players out there where injuries don't count when you start your <laughs> franchise mode, you can start him at right tackle over Alejandro Villanueva and make that guy your swing tackle, and then you're in business. Super Bowl, here you come on your PS5. So for the listener... Uh, I'm going to pretend to be uh, one of our very intelligent, elevated listeners, of which there are 38, at least 38,000, right, Tim? Not 38. Uh, uh, The question is, well, if he's hurt and it doesn't look like he's going to play this year, if it's at all, if we're stashing him for next year, why pay the $500,000? Why not just say, hey, man, We'll see you next year, and if you look healthy, and if you can actually run on, on that Achilles, then we'll look to sign you, and we'll give you that between 3 to $9 million. It's because when he did play, he was good, as Tim has mentioned. He has had multiple above-average seasons as a right tackle, so you put the investment in now, uh, as I made a terrible uh, metaphor with Google earlier. I looked it up. You, you couldn't do that in 1998. Uh, 2004, guys, for, for all of you wondering out there, that's when you could have first invested in Alphabet. But you take this money, you you put it on a guy who, in theory, could be worth way more than that $500,000. Um, I looked up stats of his quickly, and just to give us some future migraines, the only thing that was not great from him was the penalties. Uh, he had nine penalties one season, ten penalties another season. So when we're, uh, when we're here two years <laughs> from now, guys, talking about Ravens, Ravens offensive line play, it'll be like not another holding from Juwan James, but everything else will be fine, and he'll be a, an above-average right praising tackle the, for this. Praising the signing today, complaining about the hold he has on Miles Garrett in 2022. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta cover all, all angles here. Uh, for a positive side of that, wouldn't it be nice if this were the uh, Bryant McKinney type offensive lineman that late in the season gets plugged in, fixes, fixes a hole in the offensive line, makes the team better, uh, is used as uh, a sixth or seventh offensive lineman, which the Ravens have done in many situations in those December-January football games. We will see uh, more to come on Juwan James in six to eight months. The last thing that we want to talk about before we get into the random Raven, because I mentioned it two weeks ago as we do- dove into the worst Ravens numbers to have on the Ravens jersey uh we threw uh we threw a tweet out for for a poll on what you guys thought and I wanted to go over the results quickly uh I'm I'm a little let down by all all those 38 listeners um 40 percent of you agree with Tim Horsey that number six and the six by itself is the worst Ravens jersey 30 percent of you astutely pointed out that 61 is the worst jersey, and 20% said number 64 is the worst jersey. We asked for uh, for others. There were t- 10% of you said something else and then had no intention of telling us what that number is. <laughs> if you do, please let us know. You know, uh, Email us, podlikearaven at gmail.com. Tweet at us, Instagram, all that good stuff. We would love to throw up some of those other Hideoso Ravens numbers, of which there are a few. 
But with that, we're going to go now to the Random Raven before we turn to the NFL. And I am up this week with uh, an interesting an interesting player. I don't think this is going to be the biggest challenge. So therefore, I'm a little uh, I'm a little mysterious with the clues here, but I still think my co-hosts are going to are going to have this one. This Random Raven played for the team from 1997 to 2000, leaving after winning Super Bowl 35. He was a second-round pick drafted by the Ravens out of Penn State, and he played in 54 games for the team, starting 43 of them. In his Ravens career, he had 207 tackles, three interceptions, and two sacks, but he may be best known for his forced turnover in Super Bowl 35. He went on to play for the St. Louis Rams and Cincinnati Bengals and actually went to another Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams and then lost to the uh, to the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl. And I'll ha- I wanted to save... I have one more clue that I was going to save, but I'll say it now because my co-hosts are looking uh, off into the, into the heavens. The final clue for this player, he shared a number with a Ravens Ring of Honor member. They had the same number, obviously played at different times. Uh, Ravens, Ring of Honor, the same number as this player. And I'm going to leave it there. And if I need to add a little bit more information, I will add it at the end of the show. But, yeah, this I is my I guy. Name, this but... is my random <laughs> ring. And with that. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I think I have a name. I think I have a name, but it could be completely random. Uh, literally. Well, then, Tim. Uh, yeah, I know, right. Uh <laughs> I think this is interesting because I think Jason and I are going to have different people. As usual, he's going to be right, and I'm going to be completely wrong. But I can't wait for the end of this. Let's just skip through the NFL news. Let's get to that. <laughs> but, well, yeah, with what I'm going to lead off with, Tim, maybe we should skip the NFL yeah. segment. <sighs> because uh, I'm, I'm just going to blame myself. You know, I'm going to put my hand up here. It's, it's on me, guys. Because I, <laughs> I talk these players into existence to go to the Ravens, and they never do. But this one, I think I just voodooed to the worst team possible, and it's Julio Jones, and he's going to the Titans. And I... The Titans gave up a 2022 second-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick. They got a pick from the Falcons. They got a sixth-rounder in addition to Julio Jones. And I'm angry, and I'm sad, and I'm concerned. Um that he is going to be a problem for this team and he's going to be a problem against the Ravens in the postseason. Talk me down off the uh, off the ladder, guys. Julio Jones to the Titans. What do you think? Uh, I won't. I won't talk <laughs> to you off Join the me. Ladder. Join me, Tim. <laughs> no, this is this is horrible. Um, they, I think, and I'm trying to find it. Obviously, the deal happened a little bit ago as we record, and I'm trying to find the details, but apparently... The Titans didn't even have to eat all of his salary. Now, they ate a decent chunk of it. I think Atlanta kept some of it on their books. Uh, if either of you guys could confirm that, that'd be great, because I'm scrambling here to try and find it. I, th- but, I thought, and I, you know, I'm, I'm confirming, but with uh, an opinion so much as, I thought that the Titans were taking the whole salary. Okay, And I think Th- that that's might part be of the reason that the picks are as weak as they are, basically, is because... Um, the Titans didn't have to give up a lot, but they are taking on the, the the full amount. I believe that's the case. See, and that would make a ton of sense because I remember when I first read it, I thought I thought the original Shefty tweet was 
you know, the picks as we talked about, and then they only have to take, they only were doing like 11 of the 15 million or something. And uh, I, this is, uh, go, per, per, um, did you find it? Sorry. Per, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, per NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, uh, Tennessee avoided having to part with a first round pick to acquire the seven time pro bowler, but is on the hook for all of his 15.3 million salary for 2021 and the right. remaining two years of his contract. Um, Got it. They, so, the Falcons do have $7.75 million in dead money, but um, they are otherwise out of his money. Gotcha. So, that would make me more optimistic, except it's Julio Jones with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. Kill me now. Just end it. Just end it. Jace, in our group, in our group text, was like, don't worry, guys. We don't have to play him this year. Except in the playoffs when it actually matters. And it's Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters getting bullied by A.J. Brown, who gets away with every OPI that he commits. And Julio Jones, who is Julio Beep Jones. God, it could have been into a worse team. I would have rathered him gone to the Browns. I know, obviously, it doesn't make sense. Odell, whatever, Jarvis Landry, who apparently, remember... Cleveland Browns legend, according to the NFL draft. <laughs> I would have rather him go anywhere else. I would rather have gone to freaking Pittsburgh than the Tennessee Titans. It's just big, imposing, physical dudes for that big, imposing meathead of a coach on a team that I just now absolutely despise. And yeah, I mean, look, shout out to Tennessee. They had they had the cap room to make it happen. Let's God willing, this comes back to bite them in the ass later, uh, at a later date in terms of the money. But it's it's bad. I have nothing. I have no other words for you, Antonio. You 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 preface this with try and talk me off. Uh, you know, talk me off the ledge. I'm pushing you off the ledge. <laughs> like there is there is no good scenario for this. I don't care that he's what is he 32? I think his age is. You know, getting up there, whatever it is. AJ Brown idolizes him. A.J. Brown recruited him via TikTok, which just, oh, that sentence coming out of my mouth makes me want to cut my own tongue out. <laughs> and they made it happen. And now those two guys who are absolute beasts on either side of the field. I, look, I love our corners. I trust our defense. God bless Wink Martindale. You know, all, praise be. But I just see this as a matchup nightmare. For the Baltimore Ravens and for the AFC, and frankly, it boosts Tennessee to, um, I take that back. It doesn't boost Tennessee to one of the top teams in the AFC because they still can't stop anybody on defense, which is great. But offensively, they are very scary. Rant over, Jace. Try and pull us back. Antonio might be halfway down. You might have to Spider-Man down to get him before he splatters down on whatever it is, Fifth Avenue or whichever famous New York street you want. (laughs) <laughs> try and talk me off the ledge, or you can push me as well. Well, I'll try my best. Uh, I will say I have soured on, you know, just thinking about... I- I'm I'm less optimistic from the Rams' point of view than I was when we, uh, when we were first texting. Because what you said, it's another team in the AFC getting stronger. And... For the Titans, you mentioned their defense is bad, but they're 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 they did lose Arthur Smith, who's ironically now the head coach of the Falcons, their former offensive coordinator. Um, but otherwise, they're doubling down on what they do well, which is they had a, one of the best offenses in the NFL last year. They still have Derrick Henry, Taylor Lewan's coming back from injury. 
Um, it is interesting what you said, Tim, about the, uh, the, the, the cap issues down the road. And I think that's, what's frustrating with this is like, Tennessee was not in a great position to make this trade and they still got the deal done. Like the Ravens, I was reading a thing from one of my colleagues, Nate Davis at USA Today Sports. The Ravens were actually amongst the teams in a better cap position <laughs> to assume a deal like Julio Jones's. So before you continue, you didn't have to push me. I just jumped. <laughs> continue. And so for the Titans, you know, and we've talked about this, and that can be one of the frustrating things about being a Ravens fan at times, is they will always do the sustainable thing. They will always be thinking about Lamar Jackson's extension and, you know, moves they want to make down the road and how can we compete year in and year out. But the Titans went all in. They uh, are going to have to basically restructure almost every major contract, or at least a lot of them, on their team um, just to, to get the money work. And when I was thinking, when we were talking to a few weeks ago about potentially a Julio trade, I was just thinking his his value was so much higher because he's Julio Jones. He's so good, but it's so clear the Falcons only goal was to get out of the money uh, in that return. They accepted. And even if you, you know, not that I'm like, I'm not surprised the Ravens didn't try harder to make it happen, but like for the, uh, to watch other teams basically go all in and be like, we'll figure it out later. We can get Julio Jones and we'll figure the rest out later. We have this window to win. It is frustrating, I would say, to to watch your own team say, like, oh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to, like, hope Marquise Brown gets better this year and, uh, you know, hope Rashad Bateman works out. When they might, you know, and that's if, – if they work out and the Ravens have this ability to, you know, if they're – they're because the Ravens are going to compete for a playoff spot. They'll be in the playoffs again. I would be absolutely stunned if they're not, but – to, just that they never make these all-in moves and to watch other teams in the AFC do this, it's very frustrating. And it's, and it's a very like, off-season, like, it's a very off-season attitude, right? To, to, yeah. to take away some of the, the trust me, I, I won't even say fake anger or shout in Freud or whatever, because I'm legitimately pissed that he went to the Titans. It's ridiculous. But the Ravens aren't ever going to make this move, and it's it's frustrating as a fan when you would like to see them splash. But that being said, they're one of the most successful franchises of all time, and they've only been around since 1996. And the reason is because they make shrewd, great moves like signing Juwan James, who by the time the Titans in 2022 are in cap hell, Juwan James is going to be a Pro Bowl right tackle, mauling dudes on that Titans offense or defense, meaning the Titans offense can't even get on the field because they can't stop the Ravens. There it is. Optimism. That's how this happens. Maybe not this year, but next year. I, I do realize I talk out of both sides of my mouth when I talk this because we praise the shrewd moves of extending a guy like Gus Edwards, an undrafted free agent, and then I say, why didn't they just get Julio Jones? So, you know, it's hard. You know, this is what we do as NFL fans and fans of specific teams. We we want it all. We want, we want the smart, sustainable build and also to just add Julio Jones and destroy your cap for years. And... I mean, that's what, you know, why the Falcons made this trade. They they went all in several years ago with their core, and they were very close to winning a Super Bowl, and they didn't, as we all know. Um, 
and, and then it fell apart, and they were in cap hell, and so they just made this move to get out of it. But yeah, as Tim said, it's it is still frustrating. Uh, to, uh, like in twenty twenty one, this does make the Titans a better team than I think they were in twenty twenty, because I think Julio Jones is still great. So you wish they would have given up more, at least one first round pick, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, the Falcons just wanted to get out of this deal. And so that's why he's on the Titans. Cause the Titans were willing to, to take all the money and just figure out the cap later. It's like, uh, the ghost of Terrell Owens still haunts the <laughs> halls of the Ravens facility for, for the listener who has not maybe followed the Ravens for so, so long. Terrell Owens was traded to Baltimore in his just oh peak, God. peak, prime um and filed a grievance with the nfl because he didn't want to be under he wanted to be a free agent basically and not still under contract and the deal was like nixed after it had already been announced that he was going to the ravens and it's like that deal still exists in the uh in the gm office in baltimore and they just have not gone all in on the superstar wide receiver since and i'm not gonna put uh anquan bolden in that category because he wasn't quite like peak peak Anquan Bolden at the time uh to sort of like uh you know come back from the dead and and scale back up the the skyscraper the the only thing I'll say here Spider-Man Spider-Man um they're gonna want to give him targets and those are fewer carries for Derrick Henry uh so so that's what I'll pretend is a good thing that Derrick Henry ends up averaging four to five fewer carries per game because they want to get the ball to Julio Jones or he gets hurt because he has gotten banged up the last few seasons and he ends up playing eight games on super a super bloated deal so it will be funny if like AJ Brown gets like upset because now he's getting like 30 catches or 40 catches instead of his the 60 or whatever he got last year and then when it comes time to do his next contract uh he's getting less money because yes jace we're gonna force 60. i mean we're forcing you know, this on the titans now this is the voodoo bad blood that they're gonna have look you know receivers too and look and we should cover it like you know it's legit i think this is horrible for the ravens and great for the titans but if you want to look from the other side of it because we should cover this from all angles not a ton of other nfl stuff going on Antonio, you make a great point. New new offensive coordinator, as Jace mentioned before, Arthur Smith was very, very good at his job and created a very good offensive game plan for this team. Obviously relied on a workhorse like Derrick Henry. It's probably better to not just dump carries on that guy, even though he is legitimately a freight train with the football in his hands. Um, Todd Downing, the new offensive coordinator, was promoted from the tight ends coach, so it's it. you would think some of the same scheme. But maybe the old Todd wants to make a name for himself, and he's like, we're throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball. Which, look, you have two really good weapons. It's not the worst idea. But Ryan Tannehill got really good because of play action. And if you get away from the run, play action ain't that big of a threat, or not as big. It's still always going to be kind to be there because, look, the guy in the backfield is Derek bleeping Henry. So you know that there's always that threat, so you're going to play that uh, you know, cautiously, I guess I should say. But maybe it's not Todd Downing isn't Arthur Smith, and they can't create a game plan to get all these guys involved. As they say in the NBA, there's only one ball, fellas. There's only (laughs) one ball. And maybe Ryan Tannehill can't distribute that ball. Maybe Ryan Tannehill turns into Ryan Tannehill again. Can that guy come back? You know, the one from Miami? That guy was great. We have enough really good AFC quarterbacks right now. They're, you know, 
Sunshine just showed up in Jacksonville, although Urban Meyer's going to do everything he can to ruin that guy's career. He's supposed to be the next prodigy. We got Josh Allen up in Buffalo. Obviously, a guy named Patrick Mahomes over there in Kansas City. Like, maybe one of them could just back off, and maybe it could be Tannehill. Let's, God willing, let's hope. And he's trying to force the ball into Julio. Julio doesn't seem like the guy who's like, I want the ball type of dude. You know, he's never really caused a ruckus, although, you know, they lost the Super Bowl because all they wanted to do was throw the ball, and maybe he was just happy in that offense because of that. It would be interesting, and obviously best-case scenario from this very biased podcast that you're listening to, for the offense to implode because people (laughs) aren't happy with their roles anymore because not everybody's getting what they want. And Jace, oh, put it into my veins, A.J. (laughs) Brown getting upset because he doesn't get the ball even though all he did was recruit his idol, Julio Jones. Now, look, I don't think it's going to happen. Clearly, he's... He was one of the main people that really, really wanted him there, but it would be hilarious. I'm not going to be upset if there's a, a, an angry TikTok after like a week, like <laughs> no. 10 loss to the Chiefs or whatever they have. Just pull the Antonio Brown and record the <laughs> locker room, you know, like do that and not tell your coach, Mike Vrabel, who will then probably try and throw you through your locker at that point. But yeah, just chaos, prima donnas, drama. Yeah, let's do it. Super teams never work out, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to do all the shrewd moves over here in Baltimore. All your superstars, they're all going to implode, and we're going to rise up the ranks. There we go. I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all good. Elsewhere in the NFL, two no-shows, let's call them, that I want to get just quick hits from you guys. One is a name we've spoken about probably too much on this podcast. Check out those photos. They're so weird. And then the other one is uh, a new name, and both these players missing mandatory mini camps and that's Aaron Rodgers and the other one's Stefan Gilmore. Rodgers maybe was the one that we saw coming based on everything he has said and done over over the past few months but he is holding strong at this point the fines start coming in theory um, but he's holding strong to whatever his objective is that is even that is not entirely clear at the moment but uh Jace, thoughts on, on Aaron Rodgers missing the sort of official stuff that he had to be uh, attending? Yeah, it's not really surprising, obviously, as you said, based on just everything that's gone on this season, or off season. As you said, it's still not certain to me what he wants. Like, I just keep circling, like, it's clear, like, it's weird, like... In other sports, a lot of times, and we see it in the NBA all the time, most of the reason the guys want out is because they're not in a winning situation. But Rodgers is arguably in the position best built to win in the NFL right now, you know. You're you're in an NFC where the only other two good teams like are like the Bucks and maybe like the Rams and possibly the 49ers. Just an NFC with a ton of question marks. Is he really going to force his way into the AFC for a Broncos team that's, like, going to lose to the Chiefs? I don't know. But, so I'm not really surprised by that. You know, Packers president Mark Murphy was at some event this week. Uh, was quote He was quoting the uh, former Packers GM, Ted Thompson. Uh, he, he cited Ted uh, prior, uh, had said at some point that he's a complicated fella about Aaron Rodgers. And Murphy said... So, I'll just say that. <laughs> um, implying that the things uh, are... Co- which we, we... Look, we know about Aaron Rodgers, but... I don't know. If if Aaron Rodgers is pissed off at the Green Bay Packers, I don't know that the guy literally in charge at the very top 
of the Green Bay Packers, Mark Murphy, president of the Packers, should just be calling him a complicated <laughs> at public events. That doesn't seem like uh, it'll help things. So I'm fascinated by that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much else to say about Rodgers until it's kind of, I think we're just in a waiting game through, uh, you know, and veterans kind of skip these mandatory mini camps a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, We'll, we'll we'll see. I, the real question will just be training camp and if he has a new contract by then or if he's traded. But at some point, something has to happen because it seems highly unlikely the Packers are just going to hold his career hostage for no reason if he's really set on just never playing a game for them again. So, they you know, they... And the Packers are in a better position than most to move on from him if they really want. They literally drafted a guy in the first round last year that uh, has been taking part in all their offseason programs and stuff. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be good, but, like, you drafted him in the first round. So, you know, if your quarterback's like, I'm not going to play for you, and you're the Packers, you say, okay, well, just the guy we drafted that we think's good enough to be our starting QB because we drafted him in the first round, we'll just turn to him. So... I'm still very confused by the entire thing. <laughs> I don't know how we got to this point, but yeah, nothing really surprising with him not showing up to the minicamp. I can just... its He just won the MVP of the league. It would Holy. be quite a... It'd be quite a few years to first piss a guy off by drafting a quarterback in the first round when your team had needs, and then angering him further to wanting to be released or traded the year after he wins MVP, which are both 13 and three, I believe 13 and three seasons. Two straight 13 and three seasons with two straight NFC victories. championship game appearances. It's just uh <laughs> boy. And then to just move on to Jordan love and say, this'll work. And it probably will because it's been yeah, like that it's with the, the Packers. Packers Jordan love's yeah. going to go to the hall of fame. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will keep you posted on that. The Stefan, uh, Stefan Gilmore thing is, is maybe more, this is interesting that it's money related jace because it's the last year of of a deal kind of thing of a big deal yeah i kind of had read him as uh i don't know where i read it and possibly one of my colleagues but had floated him out as a potential trade candidate uh a while back um but yeah it, it definitely seems contract related they apparently the patriots uh per espn uh actually fronted him a bunch of uh advanced him 4.5 million of his 2021 salary last year um, so, you know, he's one of the, still was, has a pretty good contract, but obviously, um, guys have surpassed him. He's a recent defensive player of the year, but, uh, he, he, his base salary is 7 million this year, but you know, um, it's clear to me he wants a new deal. It's interesting because it's the Patriots and I do not see Bill Belichick giving a 31 year old, you know, clo- anything close to Jalen Ramsey money, um, so I wouldn't be stunned if we see a Stefan Gilmore trade um, here, just because that seems like the Belichick route. Um, although, you know, Belichick likes them, so maybe they figure something out. But yeah, this this is definitely a little more interesting, but not, like not too surprising when you, you do. It's, it's a good player who wants a new deal, and he's just using the leverage he has. You know, they're fining him, but per ESPN, the fine is... Uh, all of for their three day minicamp, all of ninety three thousand dollars. So for a guy set to earn seventy three seven million uh, base salary, you know, uh, I don't know that whole notice. Right. That a ton. So the so the deal was it averaged thirteen million per season when he signed it at the time, 
Um, obviously, like you said, he's in the final year of it. And since then, the market's exploded. Like you mentioned, Jalen Ramsey's making $20 million a year. Stephen Gilmore is not as good as Jalen Ramsey, but I can see where his case comes from of, obviously, Defense Player of the Year. He's been kind of a lockdown guy. I just think this is interesting because I want to see the Patriots lose more talented players. <laughs> and I think, and Jace, it wasn't just, you're trying to name the one guy who floated the idea. A lot of people had Stephen Gilmore as a possible trade candidate because of this. And, and people kind of expected him to sit out camp and try and work on a new deal because he's frustrated with the amount of money that he's not or not receiving at this moment. Guy's 31, trying to get that final contract. I completely understand that. Um, I just think it's interesting, and I think we could see Stefan Gilmore, a one of the more talented players in the AFC, you know, a really, really strong cornerback at a premium position, leave New England, which is great. And, and I bring this whole thing up, really, just as a sidebar before we wrap this. I am less and less, and I, I'm knocking on all the wood here. You can hear it there on the microphone. I am less and less scared of Mac Jones because he's wearing number 50 at minicamp. Why is he wearing number 50? <laughs> is he really? Has, I missed this. <laughs> has anybody, has any, there's, okay, so clearly n- neither of you have seen this. There's no explanation. He's wearing number 50. And then the whole viral story, because apparently Cam Newton gives nickname, nicknames to everybody. If you didn't hear that, he gives nicknames to everybody. And if you didn't hear it again, he gives nicknames to everybody. Because it's just, it's the coolest thing about a guy that he has nicknames for his teammates. Because, I don't know, he's been in a locker room since he was eight. That's what you do. Uh, he His nickname for Mac Jones is Mac and Cheese, which is incredibly original. It was hilarious. The media got a kick out of it. I'm sure it was three segments on first take. And the guy's wearing number 50. The Patriots are done. They are toast. Their quarterback wants to leave. They're ma- they got mac and cheese playing uh, quarterback. And by the way, here's a correlation I just thought of in my head. Our top corner, maybe one of our best, well, not maybe, one of our best players, probably our best defensive player, Marlon Humphrey, doesn't like mac and cheese. This take came out this week. He says it's just cheese and noodles. It's overrated. And I'm saying that was a direct shot at Mac Jones. We're not scared of the Patriots anymore. And, uh, yeah, we don't even need to talk about Stephen Gilmore. I just wanted to bring up the the quarterback wearing the 50 is irritating to me. Even though I know that's not what's going to happen come season time, obviously. I just hate it. Because what I think is, and I'm sorry, I, I, I wanted to end this rant about seven times and have something new to say. It reminds me of just a Belichick, like, oh, you got to earn your number here, man. This is Patriots camp. you gotta, you got you to earn that number 10. you got to earn it here. And so they put him in a 50, and by the time the season starts, he'll have a number 10 because he's the starting quarterback. But, yeah, overall infuriating. I love mac and cheese. Uh, the food, I hate it for a nickname for your starting quarterback. <laughs> and if my cornerback hates it about another quarterback, I know that's incredibly confusing on an audio medium. Uh, I'm all for it. So, yeah, that's it. I watched Mac Jones uh, walk from his couch to – get become drafted and it was one of the strangest walks i've ever seen in my life so i believe that that dude just look it up if you haven't seen it yet it's just a whole uncomfortable 15 to 20 seconds uh of a thing that normally is a very simple normal thing to do but i believe that that dude seeing that is wearing number 50 uh tim but i well boy now i want him to wear it i want just like a backup qb wearing number 50 which would be hysterical to me but we'll see um Marlon Humphrey is wrong about the food, unfortunately. I mean, it's has he had has he not had good mac and cheese? I don't I don't know what to like. Come on over, Marlon. We'll make you uh, we'll make you the best mac and cheese you ever had. 
But yeah, that's it in terms of NFL news for us. We are past the hour mark here, so let's do the Random Raven. I'm going to read these clues one more time, and we will get on out of here. Uh, Please let me know, guys, if you want another clue, or if you have names, I guess. Maybe we'll go Tim and then Jace based on uh, the confidence level of the names here, but I'll read the clues off first one more time. This Random Raven played for the team from 1997 to 2000, leaving after winning Super Bowl 35. He was a second-round pick drafted by the team out of Penn State, and he played in 54 games for the Ravens, starting 43 of them. In his Ravens career, he had 207 tackles, three interceptions, and two sacks. He may be best known for his forced turnover in Super Bowl 35. He then went on to play a few seasons for the St. Louis Rams and Cincinnati Bengals, and he shared a number with a Ravens Ring of Honor member. I turn to you, Tim. Who is this random Raven? Uh, okay. I, I feel a little bit more confident in my answer now, which is, is honestly a little bit weird. Um, I could, and I probably still can, but as, as a kid, I could name the entire 2000 Ravens defense because I had nothing else to do. And I don't remember the turnover in the Super Bowl, although I believe it. And I'm pretty sure he wore number 20, obviously, Ed Reed. I'm going to go Kim Herring. That is the name I also landed on. I was thinking Jamie Sharper for a while, but he played, I think, I he think went for to... the Texans. Afterwards. Yeah, he played for the Texans. That's that's what screwed me up, too. That's the clue that, that so threw I, me up. I also think it's Kim Herring, uh, defensive back Kim Herring. It is Kim Herring. That is the oh! random Raven this Let's week. Go. Phenomenal job by my co-host. And a fun name. F- fun guy. Fun name to say. Um, and, yeah, a Super Bowl champion. Went to multiple Super Bowls, had an interception. Everybody remembers the Dwayne Starks pick six, and people forget that Kim Herring also had an interception in that game. I I want to. Well, I'm trying to remember. If there there were so many turnovers to choose from. You say game. Ray Lewis say had, had one a lot of them. Uh, Collins yeah. threw at least four picks. I think. I think Jamie Sharper actually had one of the off of the. Was that the? I was going to well. say that it may have been the Ray Lewis tip one. But oh, is that Ray Jamie Lewis Sharper? Tip. That's the Jamie yeah. Sharper catch yeah. correct so kim herring correct. is in there at some point with another pick in one was one of the tastiest defensive performances of all time um but yeah that is the random raven this week kim herring guys any other thoughts anything you want to go over stuff you got to get off your chest this week before we uh dive back into uh all the sports that are happening well, right now in the world tim, tim mentioned it if you don't follow marlon humphrey on twitter he uh he is particularly and instagram and Instagram. Oh, I don't follow him on Instagram. I'll have to make some moves. He's particularly entertaining uh, dur- during the offseason, just kind of uh, updating about his, I don't know, he's just driving around Maryland, I guess. <laughs> it's it's uncertain where he is. He was asking about Wings and Owings Mills. Well, this one the other day, went to my first rodeo tonight. That bull ain't nothing to play with. That made me laugh a lot. Um, yeah, follow Marlon Humphrey on Twitter. He's got... He, he's fantastic. Um, he's far more frequent than our, our, our good friend Ed Reed back in the classic Ed Reed tweets days. But uh, Marlon, give him a follow. He's one of the best players of the Ravens and also very funny on Twitter. <laughs> I have one more thought. The Ravens forced two fumbles and had four interceptions against the Giants. <laughs> and it is a travesty that they let up that special teams touchdown because they could have been the only team to shut out somebody else in the Super Bowl. 
I mean, they're already the greatest defense of all time. Get out of here, Chicago. Get out of here, Philadelphia. I don't want to hear it. Dwayne Starks, Jamie Sharper, Chris McAllister, and Kim Herring, all with interceptions of Kerry Collins in Super Bowl thirty-five. I was just to one final 2000s Ravens point and just how how much uh, football has changed. We obviously know the 2000 Ravens, a incredible um, 165 points against in uh, 16 games, all-time record for fewest points in a 16-game season. Uh, to illustrate how the football's changed, the 2020 Ravens uh, were second in the NFL in points allowed. Second, gave up the second fewest points in the league last season, and they gave up 303. Uh, so when we it. discuss, uh, you know, de- defense, we're, I, uh, we've said in the past, biased by these Ray Lewis and Reed teams that 165 points against in 16 games versus, you know, your second best defense in the league that gave up 303 points. It's, it's a different game. Uh, it, the times have changed, and, you know, it's, it's just weird to, to think about that way. <laughs> Uh, there is a video on YouTube from uh, SB Nation that I recommend all listeners check out, and it's about this, that Super Bowl, and it's Kerry Collins specific. It's the worst Super Bowl performance. <laughs> was a masterpiece of ineptitude by Kerry Collins. Look it up because it's the Kerry Collins stuff is kind of funny, but then also watch it because every highlight is just a Ravens defender just doing something ridiculously good. So check out that video. It's like one of those deep. Uh, espionation deep analysis it's like seven minutes worth a watch when you're missing nfl games from your weekly life uh that is going to do it for us here on pod like a raven for jace evans and tim horsey thank you so much for listening to us the off season continues we will see you in two weeks for our next episode on pod like a raven Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.